This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs Podcast. One-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. So today we're going to be joined by my good pal Kenny Stapon, who has been on the pod before, uh, host of Not Another Lease Pod, also producer at TSN 1050 alongside myself. Kenny, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? <laughs> Not bad, Mikey. Um, I will have to say since the last time we chatted, I wish it would uh, were under different circumstances that we were meeting. Uh, wasn't expecting to be doing the eulogy on the Leafs season at this point, but you know, it is what it is. And uh Let's take a look at how the, some of those early season predictions ended up panning out down the stretch. Yes, and that is exactly what we're going to be talking about, guys. If you are, if you've been along for the ride for the whole season, um, Ken was on earlier this year. I think it was like the night before puck drop, and we did our over under prop bets on the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know how many games their players going to do. You know what's the face off percentage going to be for Matthews. Over under for points, goals, uh, wins. Uh, you know we had a whole bunch of different stats. We had eleven in total. We did for props, over unders, and well, we're going to figure out just how well we did or how poorly we did at our guesses and our estimates um, back in January. So let's get right to actually before I do, how do you think you did? Like based on how uh, this, this is through the regular season, right? So based yeah. on how the regular season played out, do you think that it played out as you anticipated or do you think maybe some things went awry and you got it wrong? Well, I'm not going to say that I came in batting 100%, but I feel like the regular season pretty much went as planned. Uh, dominant fashion from a lot of the players. I feel like the Tavares point total might be uh, pretty close on that one. But full disclosure, I have not gone back and listened to hear any of the uh, predictions that we made beforehand. So we're just going to fly by the sea of our pants. I know that you have some <laughs> of the clips ready to fire up, and we'll see how we did here. I do, and and. Luckily, I did go back and, and, and figured out how we did, who was over, who was under, on what. And uh, like you said, I got a couple of clips. Just see like where our rationale was at the time. Like Some of us got it, got it wrong, and it's like, well, why did we get it wrong? What was going through our head? Why did we say over when it was definitely the under? What was going? So I grabbed a couple of clips that kind of make us look silly. Pretty much, because <laughs> it didn't go that way as as we drew it up in our heads. But that's well, always I'm looking forward to hearing about it. <laughs> exactly, but that's always how it goes, right? When you look in hindsight, you always think like, "Oh, this is going to happen, and this would make sense." But rarely does it ever go to plan, and uh, that's pretty much how some of these over unders went. But let's get right to it, Ken. Um, the first one we got here is. Games played. So we had Jumbo Joe Thornton at 48 and a half games played. That was the number we set it at. Do you do you recall what you said? I know what you said, obviously, but do you recall what you would have said at the beginning of the year? 
I likely would have said under given the fact that I thought that they would rest him down the stretch. Now I can't uh, say definitively 56 games. Yeah. I probably would have gone under on that one. I would have thought, and ultimately he ended up playing what uh, 44. Yeah. So he played 44 games. So the under hit and we both were correct. So we both thought that the under was going to go. And I I remember us both saying to ourselves like, he probably won't play the second half of the back-to-backs. There were like eight back-to-backs in the year, which brought him to about 48 games. And that number was under 48 and a half. And that was kind of like our rationale as to why we felt that the under was the smart play. Now, granted, if it wasn't for the injury, he very well could have went over because he hit 44 games and, you know, he missed a, about a month or so. Like he missed a, a significant little chunk and he ended up playing pretty well almost every single game that he was healthy. So if that injury wouldn't have occurred, I don't know if we would have got that one right. But at the end of the day, we did. We got it right. We're both one for one to start. Listen, we're one for one. We're starting off on a high note here. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Jack Campbell over under 15 and a half games played. So I I hundo P went over on this one, I feel like, because they wanted to see what what he uh what he had and obviously he's he definitely he obviously ended up just destroying that number after the injury to anderson and then how well he played down the stretch i don't think any of either of us saw that coming but i i 15 games like i definitely would have gone over on that one as well i think if i didn't then i am <laughs> <laughs> we did we both took the over on that one and you know for I like this it, starting it, off on a high note exactly we're both two for two to start ended up playing Ended up with 22 starts, which I actually thought that he played a little bit more than that. Surprisingly, Fred Anderson still started the most games out of all goaltenders for the Maple Leafs this year. For whatever reason, I just assumed that it was going to be Jack Campbell who held that uh, who held that this year, just because you know he really kind of took the puck and ran with it this season, uh, became the star, became the number one, but just blew past that 15 and a half. And uh, you know, I, I think next year. This is probably our number one goaltender, wouldn't you say? Like, I think Jack Campbell, probably with a tandem, I don't know if he's going to be a 60-game guy, but, you know, I think Jack Campbell, you can pencil him in for a solid 45 to 50 games next year with the Leafs. I think the organization would certainly like that. Uh, I would like that based off of the performances that he put in down the stretch. Even in the first round, his numbers were better than Carey Price's. Ultimately, it was the game seven, you know, shut the door from Carey Price, where he pitched just a perfect price game, uh, straight shutout. But yeah, I would feel comfortable with Campbell probably doing about 45 to 50. The one thing that I would say is throughout his career, he's had a number of injury problems at just about every stop along the road. So you have to have a confident be confident in who your backup was going to be to be able to start a couple in a row and probably likely be pitching on a third goaltender, similar to what the Kyle Dubas did in the offseason this year, um, to make sure that you're feeling comfortable with your goalie depth in case something happens. Uh, but I think that they're going to walk from Anderson. And ultimately, looking at the cap crunch that they have, they're probably going to need to try to find some value pickups on the open market, especially at the goaltending position, to try to save a little money. If they aren't going to lose uh, all their UFAs, particularly, particularly Zach Hyman. Agreed. Um, all right, moving on here. The last one that we had for games played, we had Nick Robertson as one of these 21 and a half games. This is way under. 
The, the number here is six. He only played six games in the NHL. You were under, so you got that correct. Ken, I went over and I brought up the tape for what I had to say, and apparently I was vehemently taking the over. Now, this is the first time that we're going to be opposite of each other because I am loving the over set on this <laughs> line, man. I yeah. think I think he, he establishes a role on this team by about game 25 and becomes a nightly staple. I really do. He's he's someone who the Leafs need to be able to take over uh, on a nightly basis next season anyways. And if he could end up doing it early on this year on a cheap contract like that going forward, uh, I think that Nick Robertson, not only that, he, he is an extremely you know talented player, and I think he could do some good things for the Maple Leafs. And I believe that he should be able to get up uh, around 25 to 30 games this year. Yeah, so I thought he played 25 to 30. The real answer was six. So I was wrong. So, so far, you're three for three, and I am two for three. But look, Nick Robertson, if you'll recall, he broke camp with the team, and, and he was he looked good at the end of the playoffs last year, um, broke camp with the team, but then got injured in the first game. And then he was out for about six weeks and then went down to the American League to kind of try and get back on the rails and kind of do a rehab stint and was never really able to get back up into the NHL. They gave him a a look, uh, I believe it was kind of like around the trade deadline or so, but then they added to the lineup and, you know, guys also had guys like uh, Adam Brooks kind of step up and, and, and fill in a role here. Alex Galchenyuk filled in a role. Um, and those were guys who obviously I wasn't expecting to get well, clearly Galchenyuk wasn't even on the team at the, at the beginning of the year, but guys who certainly filled in that role that I felt Nick Robertson was eventually going to take. So I think that was my rationale as to why I thought that it was going to happen, and Galchenyuk just threw a bomb into those plans. Hey, the injury right out of the gate was a really difficult draw for Robertson, and it basically just completely sandbagged his opportunity to make the lineup. We all saw down the stretch how much of a competition there was for those bottom six spots in the Maple Leafs lineup. And then you look at the trade deadline acquisitions. Um, I know Galchenyuk wasn't right at the deadline necessarily, but then you're bolstering the top half of the lineup with uh, the likes of Nick Foligno, obviously a veteran player that Sheldon Keefe was going to have faith in. And honestly, a bunch of the players that he ended up playing, he had experience playing with, with the Marlies or coaching when they were on the Marley. So I wasn't surprised at all after the inherent injury early on the season that he wasn't able to crack the lineup. But make no mistake, Mikey, I probably feel pretty comfortable making the assumption now, looking at the offseason moves that the Leafs are going to make, that he'll probably be over that number next season. I would expect him to uh, crack crack the team right out of camp again, but avoiding the injury in the first game, and the Leafs are going to need this guy to be able to contribute in their bomb six. He's one of the more skilled prospects in this organization. Calling your shot months in advance. Well, we're definitely going to have to get you on here, and we're going to have to go ahead and do it, uh, you know, in a couple of months. And I'll make sure to have a Nick Robertson games played over under. I'll make sure to have that. All right. I'm sure you sneak it in obligatory. <laughs> I will. I will. Um, let's do the let's do the face-off here. Um, face-off percentage. This is just one guy. Do you think you can recall the person who we were talking about? Well, if I uh, if I was judging based off your throw into this segment, um, we were going off of Austin Matthews. 
We were. Austin Matthews, the over-under, was set at 56.5 because he was 55.5 the year before. And then they brought in Manny Malhotra, who was a face-off specialist with the Canucks uh, during his career, but also helped the Canucks become really good in the face-off circle. So we both took the over at 56.5. We were both wrong. He was just 51.9 in the faceoff dot this year, something that I actually was really surprised to see. That's a big regression for this player. Um, I will say that Austin Matthews oftentimes is taking offensive zone draws, which likely means that you're going to draw the most difficult competition from the opposing team. As a lot of the time, the third line center, the second line center, whatever be, whoever would be taking the draw are specialists in that area. That's a big regression, though, to drop, you know, three, almost four percent off your average just a year ago. Mm-hmm. I would expect that to bounce back a little bit next year. But obviously, we we both completely missed the mark on that one. And uh, Big Poppy will be looking to improve on that percentage moving into next season because that's a disappointing regression. Although in other areas of his game, he obviously took big steps moving forward. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but uh Definitely, definitely had that one wrong. (laughs) Definitely not. I mean, he still did enough to get himself nominated for the Lady Bing. He won himself the Rocket Richard. Also nominated, not sure if I mentioned this on the pod yet, actually, but also nominated for the uh, Ted Lindsay Award, which is the award that's nominated by the players as the best player in the NHL. So, you know, his compadres thinking that he's a top three player in the NHL himself. I don't think he's too worried about that regression in face-off percentage. I don't think anyone else is either because he's just an absolute freak out there on the ice regardless. All right, Kenny, you are up three to two. That's the one that that's your first that you got wrong. I got uh, those last two wrong. So you're up three, two. We'll head into our first break here on the pod. When we come back, we'll get to some more overs and unders here on the Locked on Lease podcast. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms for the Locked On Leafs once a week. Yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to right here every day on Locked On Leafs. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join the conversations about the league, about the NHL and about the Maple Leafs first and foremost. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, pre-game breakdowns, and of course reacting to the biggest news and rumors. Go download the free Locker Room app now. Currently available on all iOS systems. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NHL group for the latest league updates. You can follow me as well at Leaves or at Mike underscore DeStefano to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be there live every single week, at least once a week. We'll be doing one of these bad boys. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Leafs. I'll see you there. Locker room, changing the way we talk sports. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Did you know that the Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited time only? Right now, 
They've got Grasshopper Cookie. It is phenomenal. And when you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about all of their favorites. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. You got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. So there's something for everyone. And know this, my favorite flavor, the peanut butter brownie. It is fantastic. And if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors that we provide. And not only are the Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. They're great for the health conscious guy or gal, but also good for the keto diet. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like and get it now. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of this program. Um, along with me, we've got Ken Stapon, and we are recapping our season predictions, our over-under prop bets that we made way back in January. So far, Ken is 3 out of 4, and I am just shooting 50%. Two out of the four that we've gone through so far. But uh, let's see if I can make a comeback and we can make ourselves look a little bit better in the back half here of these prop bets. Um, So points. We're moving on to points here. And John Tavares, the over-under that we set for him, what do you think we set for him? Well, it would have been something around a a point-a-game player, maybe a 56-and-a-half. Something Ooh, around there. Money. Is that, money, Ken. Is, is that the is that honestly the exact number? That is a number we set it at. 56 <laughs> and a half. So we were basically, wow, got, is it going to be got point? memory like a steel trap? Exactly. Point per game or more than point per game is what we set it at. I took the under. You took the over. The number was 50. So the under hit and we are tied. At three a piece. Um, I'm honestly just more impressed that I remembered the exact number. <laughs> this was a disappointing season for Tavares, though, especially in the beginning of the year. Really yeah. slow start. Uh, everybody knows what happened in the playoffs, but he was playing some of his best hockey for the last 15, 20 games of the season for oh. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Really heated up there. Uh, ultimately, he ends up coming just shy of a point per game player, but it was looking a lot more bleak in the early goings in the season. So I feel like he can be pretty happy with that result at the end of the year. No, I'll gladly take the loss at uh, 50 points for Tavares on that one. Yeah, I, I I remember, if you recall, they split up the first and second power play unit, and he was on PP2 with Nylander to start the year. So he was taken off the first power play. And I remember thinking that that was going to cost him some points. And I think that was my reasoning why I felt that it was going to be the under. He was taken off of, um, like Marner was taken off of his wing, and he had to develop this new chemistry with Nylander, who we know has been inconsistent. So uh, there was just a couple of things that I felt was going to cost Tavares some points and some offense, and it was going to get him a bit to get going and, and find that chemistry, and it did. That's exactly what ended up happening. And then in the second half of the year, when him and Nylander really popped off and added a second layer of offense, 
offense to this team. Like the Leafs looked like they were going to be a juggernaut and a force to be reckoned with. And then we all know what happened in the playoffs. Takes a knee to the back of the head. He's gone. Then the top unit just doesn't really get going at all. That being Matthews and Marner. And, uh, you know, it's a first round exit. But Tavares under the number at 56 and a half. I took the under. You took the over. Let's move on to Mitch Marner. I'll be shocked if you can also tell me what you think Mitch Marner's over-under total was set at. Because this one's a little more tricky. Yeah, I promise that I didn't go back and listen to this. That was just a wild flyer of a guess. (laughs) Uh, Marner obviously has been well over a point-per-game player throughout his career. Uh, I would expect that we probably would have set his number uh, somewhere around 62. 62 and a half. Oh, that is pretty good, <laughs> Kenny. That's pretty good stuff. Nobody's going to believe me that I didn't listen to the episode before, but that's all right. <laughs> if I know Ken, his lazy ass definitely did not go back and listen to the episode. <laughs> I definitely did not. No, no ex- obligatory uh, extra credit homework for me. No. And um, hit the over, right? 67 points. Him and Austin Matthews arguably one of the best duos in the NHL, you know, right up there with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Uh, So him and Marner really had themselves a heck of a season. And we both very smartly took the over. So we both got that correct. So we're still tied. We are still tied tied as we head into our next category, and that's goals. So we got three players here in this category that we set prop bets for in goals, and we started off with the Rocket Man himself, Austin Matthews. And now looking at this goal total, we are dumb. Like, we did (laughs) not give this man nearly enough credit. We set the goal total at 32-and-a-half Look, we clearly both took the over. The over hit. The man won the Rocket Richard this year. 41 goals. But, Kenny, you were on the right track because I got a clip here about how you thought he was going to blow past that number that we set at 32.5. Mikey, I, I'm just going to nail the over all day on these point totals. <laughs> I think that playing under Keefe, as stated before, uh, Austin Matthews last year was on pace to get over 50. I've seen some projections this season that have him sniffing around 50 goals in the shortened season. Now, I think that might be a little bit over the top. Certainly, I could see him hitting easily over 40, but at 32, you've got to nail the over. This guy is one of the most dominant players in the league, five on five, again, playing on that top power play unit and really coming into his own understanding how to use his size, his physicality, his frame to shield his body and get good positioning on the goaltenders in the offensive zone. And he can absolutely rip it. So certainly over 32 and a half or 32 goals. I think he's going to blow by that mark. And I think that, the impressive thing about that is that he could have gone even more. He could have scored even more than that if he wasn't dealing with the wrist injury for the majority of the year. Yeah. Or it seemed like that was that do definitely. Think, oh, do you think yeah, he would have hit 50? Ahead. Do you think he would have hit 50 if he was healthy the entire season? I mean, that's that's starting to get into absurd numbers. 50 goals in 56 games. But what he, uh, certainly, he was on and then pace for around that for a lot of the year, though. He was. And. I think that there's probably some recency bias going through my head now after watching uh, how he got bottled up a little bit in the postseason by Montreal. But uh, who's to say? 
Like he was absolutely on a heater, uh, that quick release. He's established himself now to me as the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And that's no offense to David Posternak or Alex Ovechkin or anybody who's going to be sniffing around in the rocket conversation this year. But this guy has arrived as being the player that everybody thought he was going to be. And to be honest, the goal scoring isn't even the part of his game that impressed me the most. I was more impressed by his defensive prowess yeah. alongside Mitch Bounder this year and him growing into his frame, throwing, throwing the body around. It's been really impressive to watch his growth. Absolutely. Like Matthews really, really took his game to the next level this year. Like he showed it in the offensive zone, showed in the defensive zone, like really at, at all aspects of his game took a massive, massive leap, except for the faceoffs. Apparently outside of that, he, uh, he was just phenomenal this year and certainly well worth, um, I think a Ted Lindsay nod, which he was able to get this week. All right. William Nylander. Bill Nye, the Rishat guy. The number we set, tell you what, we're going to play this game again. What do you think we set the number at? Oh, uh, probably something around, let's say 21 and a half. Yeah, that sounds like it should have been about that. I guess we were a little more high on Nylander. We set it at 24 and a half. Okay. So, yeah, so I... Yeah, that's a that's a pretty high number. And obviously, knowing how the season went, it's kind of difficult to think that you wouldn't have taken the under. But you never know uh, what, what I end up taking on that, Mikey. You took the over. Oh, <laughs> you took the over. Um, <laughs> I, so apparently you were high on Nylander this year, I guess. I was. And I, I mean, he started to show it in the, in the second half of the season. Right. And especially in the playoffs. Like if he brings... If he brings that every single night next season, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be at like a like a 30 to 35 goal pace again, which I believe was kind of where this number stemmed from based on he had a kind of a, a breakout goal scoring season the year before. But it just took him a little bit too long to get going this year. He finished with 17 goals, so it was quite, quite under. He didn't even touch 20. Um, I'm dumb. I didn't even pick a number, apparently. I actually, you said over, and I just, like, skipped it and went right to the next player and didn't even give an over-under. So, technically, I also get it wrong because I didn't pick. But I would like to think <laughs> that I would have said the under. I like that. Yeah, I, 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 would like, I, feel like, I feel like you were leaning to the under. I think so, too. At least that's what we're going to say. And if you want to go back and listen to the podcast, go for it. Um, but until someone brings it up and shows me evidence otherwise, I was definitely leaning under, and that's what we're going to go with. Uh, all right, Zachary Hyman. We set this number at 19 and a half goals. The under hit at 15 goals, but he was on pace to hit that if he wouldn't have got hurt at the end of the year. So it was a pretty good line that we set there at 19 and a half. We both hit it. We both took the under. And do you remember why we took the under? Oh, good question. Uh, well, obviously, you want me to play not clip? the, sorry, go ahead. You I was going to say support. not the first power play, no first power play unit time. Uh, wouldn't certainly see him for Hyman. And like, likely we, I probably just assumed that's, the puck was going to be going off the stick of Matthews. 
I will tell you here. I'm going to play the clip as to why we both thought that uh, it was going to be the under. And, and you're going to listen to it. You're, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, right. That was a thing. That was a storyline going into the season. <laughs> and then you're going to say to yourself, holy crap, are we ever dumb? Uh, is Sheldon Keefe ever dumb for thinking about this? But here's uh, here is what you had to say about why you thought that Hyman was going to score less than 19 and a half goals. I'm going under on this one. <laughs> I mean, I know I just said that the over never dies, and it's like I wouldn't go on the under, but yeah, it certainly looks like this year that Hyman, as according to head coach Sheldon Keefe, is likely going to be playing the majority of his minutes on the third line with Kerfoot and Ilya Mikheyev. And although I do like that line as a checking line, and I think they have the ability to ham other teams in the zone and win a lot of one-on-one puck battles, that's a far cry from playing with either John Tavares and William Nylander or yeah. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner over the past several seasons. So he's not going to be getting as many good looks or a good feeds from those guys. And certainly I think it behooves the Maple Leafs as he's hanging into a contract here to try to keep his goal totals down <laughs> under that. If they're looking to renegotiate with him in the future, this one's going to be an under for me. I see your subscribe. Yeah, I did a bad job cutting off the the end of that there. But uh, I, what I was going to say is, or what it says is, I see you subscribe to the notion that they're going to uh, basically screw him over so that he didn't score a bunch of goals and earn himself a big-time contract is, is what the rest of that sentence was. And uh, that couldn't have been more wrong because he only lasted, I don't know, what, two, three games on the third line and then got up with Marner and Matthews, and away they went. That line was unfreaking believable all year long all three of them were hot the entire season up until Hyman's injury and then you know he was playing at 40 percent in the playoffs so that also I think hindered those that like that top duo the fact that their their guy who went grinds into the corners goes and gets the puck for them also couldn't retrieve it as well in the playoffs but boy were we wrong on on a couple of those things we were right about the under it hit but man he didn't stick on the third line. He was up on the top line pretty darn quick. Hey, listen, Mikey, in uh, gambling, it doesn't matter the reasoning why, as long as the number is the number. So <laughs> I'll take the hit. Uh, yeah, obviously, the way the season panned out, this guy is just a workhorse on that first line. When he, Matthews, and Marner are in form, they're one of the most difficult lines in the league to deal with. Uh, you have, like you said, you've got the guy who can just go and retrieve the puck in any situation along the boards. Obviously, Marner with his passing ability and playmaking ability, and then Austin Matthews, who can just put it in the back of the net from anywhere on the ice. It's a really impressive thing to watch. This is going to be a very important contract for the Toronto Maple Leafs moving into this offseason. They have to make the decision whether or not they're going to try to re-sign this guy or whether or not the dollar amount is going to be a little bit too rich for them. And judging by the open market, he could be getting offers of five plus from other teams. And if that's the case, then if you're Toronto, you probably have to walk away from this player. But my goodness, would I like to see him back in the blue and white next year? Absolutely. And you did see that report. Um, not sure if if it was a legitimate report as his agent came out and declined it. But there was a report out there that he declined a five million dollar offer from the Toronto Maple Leafs and 
You hope that that's not true, like his agent came out and said, because if it's much more than that, I'm not sure, like you said, the Maple Leafs will be able to to be in contention to bring him back. I know that a lot of Leaf fans are hoping that this Toronto man's can take a massive hometown discount, but this is probably going to be like his one time to cash in, and he's got to make sure that he does what's best for for him and his family, not just you know think about the short term, but also the long term. What would be a term in AAV that you would be comfortable with? Because this has been a conversation. Like, would you yeah. prefer to sign him longer term? Obviously, he puts hard miles on his body on the ice. But if you could get him at, say, a seven-year term with uh, no no movements, no like player control, and uh, around a $4 million AAV, is that something that you would be comfortable with? No, I wouldn't want seven years. I think maybe six years would be the the limit where I would go, unless he's willing to go like three million a season. Like for me, I still think four million. Like how much longer can Hyman keep up this this rate of play? Maybe you know three, four more years until usually players start to break down. So I I I think that the 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 last few years of that contract would not look great at all and i think that the cap saving of like half a million bucks or a million dollars wouldn't be worth putting those extra years on the back end of that deal um and it's just not gonna be worth it for me so i would probably be comfortable more so with about maybe like a four and a half million times five like give four and a half times five years that would kind of be like my sweet spot, but like I've uh, that be that be the hometown discount rate though. It would I, be. I I think that it, it it's more so like a five times five would be the number that maybe the Leafs and Hyman are comfortable at. They kind of meet in the middle a little bit. Yeah, five by five I think would be a good contract for this player. We know that Toronto likes to often front load the deals and give a nice signing bonus on yep. July one. Yeah, especially in the beginning of the contract, so that might be something that's attractive to the player. And ultimately, it comes down to what's more important to him: is it going to be a chance to win? Is it going to be a you know a matter of money and where he wants to sign and get the biggest contract? Uh, and ultimately, or if it's going to be a fit on the team. And if you see somewhere where he thinks he can go and make a difference on in that group right away, uh, a lot of decisions coming from the player and the organization moving into this negotiation. I agree with you though. When you start talking about five, like five plus that's getting pretty rich for this player. And ultimately with the cap situation that the Leafs are in, it's going to be difficult to sign depth pieces. If you start giving out deals that rich to ultimately role players on this team. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right, we'll take one more quick break. When we get back, we've got two more over-unders. And, Kenny, we're all tied up at six. Let's see if one of us can come away with the win. So make sure that you come back here next on the Locked On Lease podcast. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. 
information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign in today. Use a promo code Locked On and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code Locked On for 50% off your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Stocks, beams, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun, but if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. All you need is 500 get started. Grow your wealth in an easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5000 managed free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W-E-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. Welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast, the only daily Maple Leafs podcast in all the land. That's right, the Maple Leafs may be done their season, but Locked On Leafs is not. We're still here Monday to Friday. A brand new episode freshly delivered to your phone, and it will be hosted by yours truly. Mike DiStefano, and for today's show, the final subject, uh, or the final little segment here of our Prop Bets Over Under Reveals, I am still joined by Kenny Stapon from Not Another Leafs Pod, also of TSN 1050. Ken, we're all tied up. We got six right so far each, and we have two more props, and I will tell you this, we do have a winner, so we don't tie. So let's get to it and figure out who is victorious here on Locked Fingers On Leafs. Crossed, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, oh, this next one's a goalie category. It has to do with Freddie Anderson. We set the over-under for his save percentage this year. We set it at 914. 914. Do you know what his save percentage was this season? wasn't great not even close to 914 <laughs> 895 a sub nine save percentage 895 freddie anderson uh not his greatest year which is unfortunate you know going into a contract year not what he was looking to do um and, and you know injuries played a factor into it J- you know jack campbell stepped up and, and turned into a star a vesna caliber-esque season for him and Anderson just kind of got put on the wayside. Um, even when he did return from his injury, he had lost his starting role, and, and it was Campbell the whole way. Um, so you, I had the under, okay? You had the over. Explain That's disappointing yourself. to hear, given, uh, <laughs> given that we only have a couple of categories left. Uh, I'm going to assume that the reason that I had the over was contract year, regular season performer, um, and looking at the regular seasons over the last several years, he seems to elevate his play. Uh, obviously, this year he was battling with the injury uh, early on. It ultimately ends up sidelining him and putting the team in a difficult position and ultimately will be, for my money, the last season that he plays in Toronto because I can't see this guy 
taking a pay cut. And with the Leafs cap situation as it is, you feel like it might be better for the team and for the player just to make their way out of town after the way that this season went. Do you want to hear exactly what your thought process was back then? Hit me. I'm going to be cautiously optimistic with you and take the over, but obviously I don't sound too confident in that one. So, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to switch it. I think it's it's more likely to be the under 914. Like you said, tough division, lots of goal scorers. You're going to see Connor McDavid. Geez, how many times? Elias Pettersson, Patrick Laine. The like, Winnipeg Jets oh. have a yeah. It's just like top to bottom. The division like is by my estimation is the toughest toughest division in hockey. Yeah, so I I think that he's just going to be peppered peppered with uh, shots and. You know, a lot of really talented goal scorers will probably end up beating him uh, quite easily some nights. So I, I'm going to take the under. However, an improved defense should be able to help him out. Uh, so we'll see what ends up happening. It's it's a good line, though. It was not a good line. That was an awful line. The under hit way, way under. I thought that was your answer, but apparently that was my answer because I was going to go with the over and then I talked myself into the under and thankfully I did because that turned out to uh, to be the answer there. But, you know, I, I think that what I said made a lot of sense where um, you take a look at this division and everybody talked about it, how this is an extremely high-scoring division. That was kind of the talk of the talk of the league throughout the whole season and you looked at you know the standings and the stat charts and it was always the Canadian teams that that were well represented in like the top scoring list of the season and unfortunately that came at the expense of a lot of goaltenders and Freddie Anderson was one of those guys Jack Campbell was not he was quite fantastic but Anderson was so uh, the under 914 was way under and hit at 895 uh Last one, and it's team points. So how many points were the Leafs going to get this season? What do you think we set the number at? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, man, I, I don't even know how many points they end up with at the end of the year from memory right now. Uh, probably something around, what, 56 games, so low 80s? So apparently we weren't like – that high on this team we 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 said it at 69 and a half oh <laughs> yeah i i don't know why we said it so low um at 69 and a half we both vehemently took the over and the number ended up being 77 so 77 yeah. points was the final number for this team enough to win the division crown which at the end of the day is really all that matters and you know, here, here I'll, I'll quickly play uh, what I had to say, I suppose, before we get into your thought process, and you could talk about it, um, what I had to say uh, about why I felt we were going to hit the over of 69.5 points. Jeez, I may go up as, as high as 74, 75 points, to be quite honest with you. I just think, you know, this, this is, uh, for the first time in a very long time, they're going to be considered the favorite each and every night. When that puck drops, they're going to be the favorite team every night. doesn't matter if they're playing uh, at home, on the road, against Montreal, against Ottawa, against Vancouver. It doesn't matter. They're going to be the favorite team each and every night, and I believe that they should be able to win a lot more than they will lose. That being said, I'll take the over. Bam! 
Called it. Yeah, pretty straightforward take, and ultimately that's what happens. The team dominated basically the whole competition during the regular season. <sighs> Until it um, mattered, Ken. Until it <laughs> yeah. mattered. Then they couldn't put hey. the puck in the net. Yeah, it's uh, it's been the Achilles heel of this team. And ultimately, next season, like regardless of what happens in the regular season, it's going to be all about the postseason. And to a degree, that's what it was all about this year. Uh, even the Rocket Richard win for Austin Matthews leaves a bare taste in your mouth after looking at him only scoring one goal in the first round. And mm. then watching Montreal head into the conference finals or however we're calling it this year, the final four is difficult to stomach because Maple Leaf fans feel that it should have been Toronto that was in that position. And ultimately they came up short in the postseason again. So the regular season accomplishments at this point, Pretty meaningless to this fan base. I would uh, I would wager on that. Yes. I would take the over on that, I should say. Yes, I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> really quickly, since you know we're, we're talking about Montreal, I guess, your thoughts on the CN Tower lighting up red, white, and blue in solidarity with Canada's team? Somebody lose a bet? <laughs> that, that, was, that was my initial reaction, was that the guy who operates lights for the CN tower, which works independently from the city of Toronto. From my understanding, it's a federally owned building. Yeah. This is all so Justin I'm not going to berate John Tory or anybody like that. He actually went out of his way to tweet today that he wasn't sure what was going on with the CN tower. <laughs> I guess people were just getting after him. Like, it's just a complete disaster. Like, would they be doing that in Montreal no. or in Ottawa on parliament Hill? If the Maple Leafs were in there? No, of course not. So, Maybe parliament Hill. Uh, maybe just because it's I, like the capital, but I, I know what you're I, saying. I, I doubt it. I don't know. It's it, it to me. I was just so bewildered by it to see the you know the blue blanket rouge like in flying in Toronto proudly as they head into the conference finals. I like it just didn't make sense to me. I'm not sure why or who gave the green light for that, but ultimately the Montreal fans loved it. It was uh, it was a complete gong show on Twitter the last couple of days. Yeah. Slap in the face to the Maple Leafs, slap in the face to the city of Toronto, an extremely tone deaf decision for whoever did it. I, I don't know who did it or whose idea it was to do it. You know, there's a, a theory that this was all Justin Trudeau and like that was his way. Cause it's federally <laughs> owned, right? Yeah. Like this is all federal things. So he didn't have to go through any of the, any city, t- uh, you know, red tape to, to make it happen. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, definitely a little too close to home to the Scotiabank arena to be lighting up in the, the Montreal Canadians colors in solidarity. I understand that the CN tower is like a national icon but at the end of the day, that's that's Toronto's tower. Leave your that's downtown Toronto. Yes, downtown Canada is the CN Tower. Yes, basically. yes, like one hundred percent. Leave it alone. Go do it yeah. to whatever. Like Niagara Falls would have been way more appropriate. Yeah, like, true. Do, but the I guess whoever controls the lights for Niagara Falls isn't a Habs fan. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. No, but I, I just knew that that was just, uh, uh, I don't know. There's a, a lot of it's uproar idiotic. on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, definitely a little idiotic. Like, it's just, I think if this was a Stanley Cup final, hmm, maybe, maybe. But, like, what have they accomplished? Uh, like, 
Really, they they beat the Leafs and then they beat the Jets. They're going into the final four, which I yeah okay, that's a, a good accomplishment. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's worth you know rallying as a country for this team. If it was the Stanley Cup final, maybe. But you know, heading into the final four, no thanks. Hey, they're going to have their work cut out for them in the next round with oh, yeah. uh, whoever they end up getting, if it's Vegas or Colorado. Um, I will say that, you know, as as a Toronto follower, if Toronto were to be in the situation that Montreal is in, this city would be over the moon ecstatic right now. So I don't want to take anything away from Montreal. What they've accomplished this year is impressive. Um, I think they're going to have their work cut out for them in the regular season next year. But ultimately, this is two years in a row where they've had decent playoff success. And whenever you're one of the last four teams standing, as all you can do is tip your cap to Mark Bergevin and the Montreal Canadiens for sticking true to their ideals and saying that this was going to be a team that could win in the playoffs. They've done exactly that. So although I don't want their colors flying in the downtown <laughs> core of my city, I still can't help but appreciate what that group has been able to do for their head coach, Dominic Ducharme. And I wish them the best of luck against Vegas or Colorado because they're going to need it. Those teams are absolute wagons. Nah. I got a wager on uh, the Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup. I'll get a decent chunk of change coming back to me if that happens. So, uh, yeah, I care more about my my bank account than I do (laughs) the Montreal Canadiens. Not going to lie. Um, All right, Kenny. uh, The final score, I won 8-11. You had 7 of 11. I went 8 for 11. So, the Freddie Anderson one killed you. You were so high on Anderson, and I you know knew what? that he was going to falter, and that was the difference in our prop bets. At the end of the day, <laughs> I wish they had performed better. Like for this group, I'm sure he wishes he performed better, and ultimately it's going to lead to a uh, parting of ways for this team and that player. Uh, nothing against Anderson. I think that he's a consummate professional, and uh, you know he's always done what was asked of him in Toronto, but... Uh, wish the best of luck to him moving into the future. And I'm a little bit upset that he was the one that ultimately ended up costing me. Should have uh, put more <laughs> money on Jack Campbell, as it turns out. Well, I guess technically you could also say that. What else did you get wrong? Uh, Austin, Austin Matthews, Matthews face-off yeah, percentage. Face-off percentage, Nylanders. Uh, and Tavares. You took the over for Nylanders and Tavares. You took the over as well. Hey, 15 out of 22, though, combined is pretty good. Like, I, I could feel pretty good about those numbers. Yeah, no. Like, if you took these wagers and you bet, you would have made money. Both of us would have made money. The listeners would have made money, which is most important. Yeah, true. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Listen, Kenny. Uh, good, good, good for everybody that uh, placed the wagers on those guys. I uh, did end up making a little bit of cash on the Matthews over, so congratulations to me. But then I ended up <laughs> losing all that, ba- giving all that back to the casino on the first round exit to the Canadian. So that's what it is, that. I guess. Yeah, you win you, some, you lose some. With you on that one. All right, Kenny. Uh, thanks a lot again for joining me. That was a lot of fun. And hey, we'll have to get you back on uh, during the off season at some point. But definitely next year. Get ready because we'll have to do these over-under prop bets again and see who can uh, who can be the best in 2021-2022. I'm coming for the title, Mikey. The listeners can't see it, but I'm doing the <laughs> discount double-check into the Zoom camera. Oh, yeah. The Aaron Rodgers, give me the belt. 
Give it to me. But Give no, me I have the belt right now. I am the prop bet champion here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. That's going to do it for us here today on the show. I'd like to thank everyone for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Lease podcast on all podcasts and platforms. If you daily leaves content, follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs and follow Ken at Ken Stapon. And uh, be sure to check out his podcast too, Not Another Leafs Pod. Kenny, once again, thanks so much for joining me. Pleasure to be here, Mikey. Uh, looking forward to our prop bets and taking that title from you next season. Not going to happen, pal. Not going to happen. All right. Enjoy the weekend, folks. I'll be back with another episode on Monday. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.